0: Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley, Bridgeway's Director of Connections, and today my co-host, Bridgeway Senior Pastor Lance Hahn, and I will be discussing the news. Trust in the mainstream media is at an all-time low, while the influence of fake news is perhaps higher than it has ever been. The internet and technology make it possible for virtually anyone to present quote-unquote news, but how... we distinguish between what is high quality and trustworthy and what is low quality and suspicious? Scripture calls us to be truth tellers, but we're bombarded with temptations to accept that which confirms what we already believe. In light of all of this, how can we honor God in the way we read, share, and talk about the news? These questions and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hello and welcome to episode 8 of Engaging Culture. I'm joined by Pastor Lance Hahn. Lance, hello. how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm uh, I'm actually doing excellent. I'm so excited about this podcast and the information that we're going to talk about.
0: Me too. I think this is going to be a very interesting conversation. Uh, but hey, first things first, today is a big day because we're recording this podcast, but also because the Master's Mind... Lance's second book, in stores now. That's right.
1: right. Yeah, and I, I do not have a copy of my own book. I actually have seen other people that have a copy of my very own book, which I've never
0: seen a copy of. There you go. But it's out there. Yep, and I'm going to go buy it. And you're going to go buy it. Uh, excellent, excellent. All right, well, today we're talking about the news media, how we can interact with the news in a God-honoring way. There are a lot of different questions for us to get into, but first, I think in, in a lot of subjects we talk about, it's always good for just our listeners to know, where we come from and what our background is with the subject. So Lance, could you maybe briefly talk a little bit about your own news reading habits and maybe what that looks like in your life?
1: Yeah. So if we go back a little ways, I actually used to read the newspaper every day uh, Mm -hmm. for years. Mm -hmm. Um, Every morning I would have the newspaper and I'd read it every day. And then ultimately because of uh, some of the negativity in the the darker news, and this is going back a ways, and yeah. my anxiety, my panic yeah. disorder, yeah. I had to make a choice not to read the newspaper because it was mm-hmm. largely bringing in some rough stuff. Um, and so I stopped that. And then, of course, little by little, you add it back into your life, and now it's all electronic, mm-hmm. right? Um, Now I actually struggle a little bit um, with reading the news, and we'll get into it a lot more later, but I struggle a little bit trying to sift and sort news. So I, I think you actually have some clarity that I am still trying to gain.
0: Perhaps I think certainly the, the the struggle you articulated is one that that I would share, and I think a lot of people would share, and that's part of what we're trying to sort through in this episode: is how do we sort through the good stuff? I I grew up reading the newspaper, mostly the sports page, if I'm being honest, learning how to read box scores. But I have lo- I have been very interested in the news and news media my entire life. I my like nerdy fact I can share about myself and I have to share a nerdy fact is I was on the newspaper staff of every school I attended from junior high up through graduate school. So I did not that's, know that. There you go. Nerdy fact of the day. And, and I loved it. So I, I love journalism. I love investigative journalism. I am just fascinated by the process of reporting. I love movies like all the president's men that, you know, here we have uh, journalists going out and trying to find a big story. I'm fascinated by all of that stuff. My own personal news reading, definitely ebbs and flows a lot. I, um, Just recently in the last year, kind of have realized more and more that when it comes to news media, you get what you pay for. So if I want good stuff, I should probably pay for it. So I subscribe to a couple of newspapers. It's super cheap. It costs me less than 10 bucks a month to read it online. I once subscribed to an in-print paper and it just created clutter in my garage. So so that's that's over and done with. But I don't read the news a ton, but I try to at least spend a few minutes each day engaging with what's going on. And then with that, occasionally reading columns, opinion pieces, things like that, both as someone who wants to be an informed, citizen and someone who just is interested in the craft. I I enjoy, uh, enjoy that element of it. I, you know, it, well, I would say
1: most people would respond. And if they brought up something in the news and you ask them, well, where did you see that? Most people would go, I don't remember. Because I think nowadays it's such a conglomeration of you get a little bit from Facebook, you get a little bit from Yahoo, you get a little bit from Google, you get a little bit, you know, whatever it right. is. Um, you get a little bit from friends. I think it used to be that somebody had a trusted source, right? Or there was a newspaper in their town, right? But nowadays, it's coming in so fast and so hard from everywhere. It's hard to remember where you got something from.
0: Well, and then in addition to that, you talk about how oh hey I, I saw this on Facebook. Well, was it from Time Magazine or was it from the Weekly World News? You know, like it and it's all sort of there, and it can be difficult to you see even in one location, Facebook, news, quote unquote, from sources that are all over the place in terms of credibility, in terms of slant and all of that other stuff, which is which is challenging. So
1: I, I think that, you know, and we're gonna obviously dive into this quite a bit, but I think with the ability of graphic arts today, everything looks the same. Yeah. And and so when when you say well on Facebook it could come from a variety of sources. I think by visual look they all look the same. I don't think you would actually have to read where it's coming from or do a little bit of homework because they all look brilliantly professional, and we assume that if it looks professional,
0: it is professional. Yeah, absolutely, and that's co- that's part of the uh, part of the challenge of discernment for sure. Exactly. For sure. So as we're going to get into this, uh, we need to define a few terms here. So Lance, why don't you be the term giver? And I'll kind of take my best stab at kind of defining some of these different terms. Hopefully, want to work through this quickly, but obviously want to get your thoughts on on these terms as well. So go ahead. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay, so here's a couple things we need to know. First of all, Brian, this is a quick fire. Yeah. Uh, what is fake news? We hear this all the time. Yep. The president has referred to it many,
0: many times, yep. and so have other people. Correct. Yeah. Fake news is factually inaccurate news stories that are intended to deceive, and that is that is important that they that they are intended. to deceive. This is different than biased news or news that gets things wrong. Uh, The mainstream media, for example, uh, that is not fake news. Now, given our current cultural milieu, that sounds like a political statement. It's not. That is a statement of fact. The mainstream media is not fake news. That is not an issue about which reasonable people can disagree. Now, the mainstream media has all sorts of issues and problems, and we'll get to that. But we need to be clear that fake news uh, is factually inaccurate news stories intended to deceive and often dressed up to look like real news, as you said, which can be challenging.
1: Well, yeah, and, and even in that, if, if somebody gets an article wrong that doesn't make the agency fake news right yeah so right. even even if somebody slipped something past the, and it was that's not the general organization right. all right so right. here we go now fake news is very very different than what we would call bias right. so can you walk us a little bit in bias
0: absolutely so so bias is a term that gets thrown around a lot and we need to be clear about the fact that everybody is biased you're biased i'm biased one of the best things we can do is seek to be aware of our biases, but nobody is objective. And that goes for news sources as well. There is uh, Everything we do is filtered through some sort of bias. And I think it's important that we are aware of different sorts of biases we see in the news. Now, we talk a lot about political bias, and certainly that exists, but we need to not get hung up on only – that sort of bias. I'll just run through a few different examples. Uh, number one, there's temporal bias. We like what's new. What's old or what is continuing does not sell newspapers or get clips or get clicks. Excuse me. We like what's new. Visual bias. We have this, by the way, visual bias with our Facebook page here at Bridgeway. I will almost never uh, send a post out that does not have a graphic with it because uh, j- text only does not perform very well. Stories with great images get, uh, get typically the most attention. There's a bad news bias. You and I pay attention to bad news. That's why the news media gives it to us, because it works, because pe- people pay attention to it. Uh, sensationalism bias. Extreme opinions get clicks. I'm of the opinion that a lot of the most extreme voices in our society don't actually believe the things that, some of the things they're saying. I agree. They just know that that's what works. Uh, Political bias, we already talked about. Uh, There's narrative bias. Sometimes uh, a news organization or person can want to tell a particular story, or you and I can interpret events even in our own lives Mm -hmm. because we desire to tell a particular story. There's placement bias, where articles will get placed in certain areas, depending upon uh, the agenda of the news organization involved. I think it's interesting sometimes, especially when it's scandal that might be a little bit political. It's funny to me to pull up a few different news sources and see where the stories are on the page. Like on one, it's splashed at the very top. The other that maybe looks like their side look bad. It's buried like the third, you know, you have to scroll down. For like None half of that's an, an accident. Yeah, no, that's not an accident <laughs> at all. And then this is a really interesting one to me is fairness bias. Uh, And another term for this is the false equivalence. Sometimes out of a desire to appear balanced, what news organizations will do is let's say there's bad stuff on two sides of a situation, but on one side, the bad stuff's way worse. What they'll do is to avoid appearing biased, they will equate yes. the the badness, for lack of a better word, on both sides so that they appear to be balanced, when oftentimes that can be good, but sometimes there just aren't two sides to a story, and, and, and the need to appear fair causes us to overlook those things. So those are just a few examples. Any thoughts on that? Um, no, I think that,
1: uh, once again, going back to the fact that we all have bias— Sometimes there is intentional bias and sometimes there's unintentional bias. Um, And I think that also realizing that news agencies have the same thing. Some of it is very intentional bias and some of it's not intentional. And I think that giving them some slack and giving them some freedom to just do what they do and then adjusting for it. I think the best thing ever is adjusting for bias, recognizing it's there. You're not going to get rid of everything, but recognize it's there and then adjust for it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's yeah.
0: important. And then there's one other type of bias that, that we need to talk about, and that's bias that exists within ourselves, not, not on the outside. And that's confirmation bias, that, that you and I are hardwired to accept that which confirms what we already believe. We're hardwired to accept that which confirms what we already believe. So what happens is hearing something that challenges our beliefs creates in us what's called cognitive dissonance, sort of this uncomfortable feeling that exists when we're holding two opposing beliefs. So what our tendency is, is to alleviate that discomfort by just getting rid of
1: the, the new, new information. information
0: instead of wrestling with that new information. And I think t- to me, uh, the sign of, of intellectual maturity, the sign of just character maturity is the willingness to press through that dissonance and just ask the question, do I need to adjust what I think in light of this new information? Now, the answer may well be no, but instead of just kind of taking the escape hatch and jumping out <laughs> and ditching what's uncomfortable, doing the work to really evaluate Am I being given new information that I really need to consider? Uh, because the fact of the matter is most of us don't. We want, we want to have what we already believe confirmed.
1: I think that's ever increasingly a problem in a busy culture because in order to receive new information, it requires processing. Yep. And processing takes time. And I don't think we have any kind of time for that. Sure. What we want to do is we want to grab our cereal and coffee and we want to run. We want to go through a drive through We want to make sure everything is prepped and ready for us. So if you are presented with something that goes contrary to you, right. you just simply do not even have time or bandwidth to sort it out and organize it in your head. So you just dismiss it right? and it's easier to just move on.
0: That's absolutely right.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. So if we're going to talk about all the different things about bias and bias news and all that, what is, in your opinion, in contrary to fake news, what is real news?
0: So real news is, is to me, news that conforms to industry standard journalistic ethics and practices. N- news where, for example, there are real consequences to getting stories wrong. Like, So I'll give you an example. is uh, CNN recently had a story about the president. And I, I should have looked it up to see what exactly it was. But they got some major stuff wrong. And that's a big deal. You can't do that if you're CNN. And, and lots of people screamed and yelled and they said, see, CNN's fake news. It's fake news. is fake news. Well, you know what happened? Three people lost their jobs. Three people, like big dogs at CNN had to resign because they got the story wrong. Now, Frank, my personal opinion, I think that's appropriate. They can't get those stories wrong on that level. They they just had a breakdown in some of their systems, and that's real consequence. Now, that doesn't happen at Western journalism, right? That sort of thing is encouraged. Okay, but now,
1: <laughs> hold on, hold on. Uh, right. When you brought up Western journalism in a conversation the other day, I'd never heard of it. Yeah. So it doesn't mean general Western journalism. It's actually a Correct. site. Sorry. So can you clarify?
0: Westernjournalism.com. That okay. is a thing. not a. So so uh, Real News is, is not perfect, and I would encourage anyone who's listening... Don't spend all day reading the news, but don't get all your news from one source. But but I do think some some sources of real news uh, include the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the NPR, BBC, Reuters, the Associated Press, uh, the Washington Post. Uh, a couple of I love long form journalism, but I never have time to read it. Like I don't. This sounds like a great 20 minute article, but. I just don't have that kind of time. But uh, The Economist is really good for that. That has a slight conservative bent. Uh, The Guardian is slightly liberal. Uh, We're local, so I'll highlight our local paper, The Sacramento Bee. I don't read it a ton, but it's generally solid and it's it's real news. And I want to be clear that in naming these sources, I am not at all... Endorsing every word they print. I am not at all saying, "Oh, hey, we should all just agree with whatever their editorial board says." No, no, not even close. No news source is without bias because no person is without bias. But, uh, but that's just. Uh, but there's a difference between the journalistic ethics that guide those organizations, and then what we would call fake news.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's take a little bit of a, a, an adjustment here. Let's talk about some other terms that are fair and they're a necessary part of
0: news and they're a necessary part of our world. So sure. things
1: like we hear the phrase advocacy. Mm-hmm. What does advocacy mean?
0: Yeah. Advocacy would just be, you have to recognize there are organizations and websites that advocate for a particular position or group of people that's fine. They are free to do that. But the fairness of their information should be questioned. So if there is a, let's say that there is a confrontation between uh, police and an African American individual, as has happened to lots lots of places, a website called bluelivesmatter.com or a website called blacklivesmatter.com, I'm not saying don't read their accounts of what happened. I'm just saying take what they say with a grain of salt because we kind of know what side either one of them are going to come come down on, right? So advocacy is fine. We just need to be aware they're typically not going to interpret things objectively. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think I think advocacy is uh, I think it's great. I mean, we're constantly advocating for a biblical worldview. We're right. constantly advocating for the gospel and Jesus Christ. Everybody's sure. advocating for something. What I think is important is to recognize that their advocacy sites or their advocacy. Agencies, yep. Right? And, and sometimes, I think for our listeners, it's, it's not right up there in the title. You don't get to right. just click on a website and they say, we are an advocate for. <laughs> you actually have to do a little bit of research yeah. and start looking at the bent of their articles yeah. or even some blatant uh, obvious reds, red flags. <laughs> um, and then in your mind, mark them out as an advocate yeah. so that if you said, man, I really want to know what this community Right. is really saying. Yeah. Man, what a beautiful place to go to an advocacy Absolutely. website. Okay, sure. that that's yep. great. Okay. And then there's also the issue called commentary. So help right. us understand what the difference between commentary and news is.
0: Sure. A comment Commentary is opinion-based reporting or opinion-based expression that may or may not be based on something factual. I think oftentimes newspapers and news organizations get in trouble for their commentary because readers don't understand there's a difference between commentary and news. Now, personally, I find commentary to be often pretty valuable, but it's important to understand the perspective of the person writing the commentary. So uh, there are a few different columnists at the New York Times who I'll read a handful of times a year. I wouldn't say it's not a weekly thing, but pretty regularly. I know where they land on the political spectrum. So I'm able to filter what they have to say through what I know about them. Now, that doesn't mean I reject what they have to say outright. It's just, I just know if I'm reading a particular columnist, his or her view is going to be slanted in a particular direction. And I, I need to just be aware of that. Yeah. Give us some examples
1: on what, who would be commentators.
0: Yeah. So, so one's from the New York Times, who I read occasionally, is one of my favorite columnists is uh, Nicholas Kristof. So, I find him to be pretty even handed and fair. And he uh, has a lot of, does a lot of interesting work on kind of social justice stories around the world and and human rights stuff. I enjoy him a great deal. Uh, One who I I wouldn't say I enjoy as much, uh, Paul Krugman. He's, he's pretty strongly liberal. He's very intelligent, but that's kind of his. Uh, where he lands. David Brooks is a little more on the conservative side. Uh, and then you have people on TV like uh, Sean Hannity, I would call him to be sort of on the extreme conservative side. Rachel Maddow would be on the extreme liberal side. And what's challenging, especially about television, is these shows get filmed in you know newsroom-looking places. So it's hard for a viewer to realize, wait, The guy who was on, like when Shepard Smith was on Fox at noon, he was reporting the news. When Sean Hannity came on at whatever time Sean Hannity comes on, he's not. There's a fundamental difference between what's going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And one thing I want to kind of just tie in for our listeners is when you listen to commentary, it's people are talking. Yep. And it's just like everyone else talking. They may be more informed. But as they're talking, they're not fact-checking. They're talking. It's kind of like when we all sit around at Starbucks and we're all commenting on what's going on in the news. You're not able to do a fact-check. It's different than if you write something down. It's different if you read a teleprompter that's been fact-checked beforehand. Mm -hmm. A lot of times if you're making commentary or you're in a banter of dialogue, the possibility of error goes up substantially substantially, and you don't even sometimes recognize it until afterwards you start citing sources that later on you went okay hold on that probably wasn't the wisest right so i think with commentators you give them a little bit more slack Mm -hmm. by going okay so they're talking through it yeah but here's the thing that i wanted to remind which is you guys we all do this you all have friends and every time Your friend Bob starts talking about politics, you know full well which direction that dude's going to go. And then when Mary starts talking about politics, you know she's going to always present the other side. Yeah. And then you're going to have the one guy who's always brilliant about electronics, and then you have the other guy who only knows about cars. Right. We all do this. It's simply that we need to introduce it over into the news cycle so that we are not blindly assuming they're all the same.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, good. Yeah. Let me go to one more, yep.
1: uh, not one more, a couple more uh, terms that I need you to clarify for me. Uh, parody news is a real thing.
0: It is. Okay. I love parody
1: news. Okay. And, and it's, <laughs> if you understand it, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand it, whoa, is it misleading?
0: <laughs> Can you yeah, tell us what that absolutely. is? Absolutely. So so I love parody news. Parody news is news that is not real, but is not intended to be believed. So an example would be The Onion. The Onion is, now that's different than fake news because they're not trying to trick anybody. They are very open about the fact that they're making stuff up and they're trying to be funny, right? Uh, yes. Or, or I love... Uh, the Babylon Bee, which is sort of a Christian version of The Onion, their satire is just on point and it's hilarious. But so for example, here's a good example. Of, if you don't realize what it is, it can get people in trouble. They did a story a long time ago about how uh, feds were investigating a church for refusing to play the worship song Oceans. <laughs> <laughs> and there was this got shared all over the place from people saying, see, they're coming to get us. They're going to shut us down. And it's like. No, You're it's like, a parody. Oh, that's so embarrassing. It's a joke, everybody. So, Yeah, so. and obviously
1: <laughs> the joke was Oceans was being played constantly. And so yeah. they're poking fun at, really, we all have to play Oceans all the time. And so of course they're joking around. And and parody is a beautiful kind of satire to help you rethink, whoa, 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 I'm really falling into a big pattern here, totally. like everybody else, and I'm not quite sure I should be doing that. Absolutely.
0: Satire has a huge ability to, to kind of form our, to, I should say, to point out maybe some gaps in our thinking that can be very helpful. Plus, it's just dang entertaining, in my well, humble opinion. And so,
1: uh, parody and satire is for the purpose of humor alone. Uh, I, I shouldn't say that. There is a little bit of a commentary to kind of sure. poke back at people and get people to recognize themselves. But it is an openly yeah. I'm I'm not just doing it to manipulate you. Yes. That's this, a big difference in fake yeah. news.
0: And I think great great satire just sort of walks the line between walks the line of this is fake, but it's kinda believable. That's to me the best satire. Yeah, the right? fact that it's <laughs> so,
1: believable is making a yeah. point.
0: So uh, so here's a question for you, Lance is in all of this, why should Christians care, in your opinion, about the accuracy of the news that they're consuming? Okay, so there's two primary reasons. One,
1: in my opinion, one is about what's going into their heart, the other one that's coming out of their mouth. So yeah. so first of all, it's very important— We are the summation of our experiences. We are the summation. In other words, you are discipled by things around you. You're discipled by people. You're discipled by books. You're discipled by movies. You're discipled by everything. If those sources are lies or incorrect or manipulative or distortive, that dysfunction will come into your heart and become part of your worldview. So the first thing we need to do is say, it's not going to make us more Christ-like mm-hmm. to hear bogus garbage stuff, right? All right, absolutely. we got that. Uh, and it's very important that we know that our sources coming in are more clean or at least filtered clean, right? right? Mm-hmm. Once again, if it's parody, you know what it is. If you know that it's slanted, you adjust for it. There's nothing wrong with listening to them. Just adjust for it. Yep. But the other thing is we are also purveyors of information. Whatever comes into us and builds into our heart, we then share with other people. We are discipled. We disciple others. Mm -hmm. If your information's garbage, you're passing on bad information. And I think that becomes very dangerous because we are called proclaimers of truth. And if we are suspect in our political or our social news, Mm -hmm. then our gospel is suspect as well.
0: Absolutely. I agree with everything you said, and I only want to reinforce that final point that when we're sharing things that are dubious or overly inflammatory or overly divisive, we might accomplish some political or social end, maybe, although most people will just tune us out when we're that inflammatory. You might accomplish something, but you'll harm your witness for the gospel. And that's that to me is a tragedy. That That sacrifice is not worth whatever you would gain.
1: So let me, let me make that a little bit more practical. So yeah. for example... If, let's say on Facebook, you um, there was something about saying uh, uh, Syria is chasing down uh, Christian pastors in Sacramento, and you immediately pass that on. Well, you come to find out it was complete fake news. It's complete lies. Right. Then all of a sudden, your friends or whoever you just shared that with is going, okay, you're not a very good person to forward news on to me. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, you get down in a very serious conversation, and you start saying, you know what? Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life, and he can transform your life. The distrust is there. So I don't know, whatever you're about to say, I'm going to wash you entirely with distrust. Absolutely. And that, I think, is the danger where it begins to backwash back into Jesus.
0: Couldn't agree more. So next question. It seems that uh, Christians are often very distrustful of the mainstream media. I feel like I myself am a little bit uh, I have a little bit of a buffer from this just because my, my whole life has been involvement with the media. Like I just, this idea is sort of, I kind of forget that it's out there sometimes, but even uh, I am I am reminded constantly that there is a lot of distrust in Christian circles of the mainstream media. Why in your opinion is that? And then in your opinion, is it legit?
1: Yeah, I, I think that, see back in the day, there was a belief and there was um, much more real news Attempted to be presented. So, for example, you would only have a couple newspapers, and they would have journalistic integrity, and and they would sort through things. So, you may have seen uh, slants on things. You may have seen some manipulation and some advertisements and stuff like that. But in general, you were presented with a lot more facts. Well, as time has gone on, and it's become an internet generation where mm-hmm. there's everybody's commenting and things are flying around, you start seeing an awful lot of bias coming through and in a much more ferocious way. So, for example, uh, for the Christian side of things, it started getting more blatantly this or that, right? It got more blatantly, let's say, extreme liberal. It got more blatant in a a bunch of different ways. So, automatically, Christians said, I don't like what they're saying, Mm -hmm. and then they began to shut things down. Then, all of a sudden. All the information got flying so fast, people said, I can't trust it because I don't understand it, and they shut down even more of it. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that there's a lot of that. One thing that you said that just pings in my mind is you said, I'm a little more comfortable in it. Uh-huh. It's almost like uh, someone that has been swimming since they were a little child, yeah. and they can swim in any environment, any lake, whether you, know, you go to a waterfall, you can swim there. If you go to a lake, you can swim there. If you go to a, lake, you you go to a pool... And then there's other people that are a little newer to swimming. Right. They need all the conditions to be just right. You know what yeah. I mean? They don't yeah. feel comfortable swimming in the ocean. That seems very unsettling. Yeah. For you, it's like second nature. You know how to anticipate what's going on.
0: I think there's some truth to that. And I'm yeah, I'm comfortable in the environment. I, I know how to, I, th- I, I think, I do a decent job of discerning truth from error. And I think the other thing too is, I just, as a personal discipline, I just try not to get emotional about facts. So I, I try really hard to fight against this, this cognitive bias that I still have and everyone else has so that to me, I'm not going to get emotionally upset because facts that are presented reflect poorly upon something I already think. Because in my mind, I'm like, if I'm, if I'm believing something that is contrary to fact, why would I want to continue to hold that belief? right? Or if I'm allowing my opinion of the people involved to affect the way I feel about an issue, that just seems wrong to me. I mean, to give a silly example, uh, everything in my world comes back to sports, of course. Of course. I get so annoyed when people uh, think that every call that goes against their team is a bad call. I just think that's lame. I would rather see my team lose because the call is made correctly than see them win on a bad call. I, just, I, I respect the integrity of the game enough. And to me, I, a bad call is a bummer, even if it benefits the team that I'm rooting for. And in the same way, uh, lame news stories are a bummer. And in this, and also, uh, factual news stories are a good and healthy and positive thing. And I don't want my opinions of the people involved to affect the way, uh, the way that I read the news.
1: Okay. So, there's two things about you and me uh, that, that affect what you just said. Um, that a lot of people do not share. Now they yeah. will say that they share them, but I don't think that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, you and I are both obsessed with truth, uh, and truth is more powerful than opinion for us. We actually are willing to take hits yeah. to get to truth. Yeah. The second thing is we are have been trained since a young age to be critical thinkers, mm-hmm. and critical thinking means you're constantly asking, "Am I wrong? Yeah. Am I wrong? Am I wrong?" A lot of people do not operate off those two biases. Yeah. So, so for you, you kind of go, well, no, no, no. Of course, it's obvious. I would want... A lot of people would much rather be reinforced right. and not have to think through
0: it. Yeah, there was a, 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 a lecture that was given at, uh, in Oxford just earlier this week by the editor of the Financial Times, and it was published online, and I was uh, reading it, and he talked about how we, we're living in a world now where, in general, opinion is valued above fact. Yes. And he said that's a real problem, and I would I would agree. Getting back to this question of Christian distrust for the mainstream media, I actually think, uh, I think rejecting it outright is a mistake, but I don't necessarily think it's wrong to be suspicious of it, because there's plenty in the media that, that, that is worth being suspicious of. There was a, a column I really enjoyed. It came out, let's see, December 8th of 2016, by a woman named Sarah Pulliam Bailey. And she's an evangelical who works for the Washington Post. So she's like, she's my kind of person here, like big in the journalism world, strong believer. I love that. And I just want to read an excerpt from uh, her, her column. And it was really terrific, but she writes this writing to evangelicals. She says, your quick dismissal of the entire mainstream media feels deeply inaccurate to me as a Christian and a journalist, at least the kind of Christianity I was raised on where the newspaper informed how we understood the world. The act of doing journalism is a way to live out my faith, a way to search for and then reveal truth in the world around me. I sympathize with some frustrations you have, including a lack of ideological diversity within some media outlets. Some reporters have unfortunately stepped into more advocacy-oriented journalism, and we've seen a blurring of opinion with reporting. And yes, sometimes editors must issue corrections, but it does not make sense to replace unwise mainstream media outlets you believe you can't trust with websites and other sources that lack any accountability. I think that's powerful. And I love for her that the, for her doing journalism and doing it right is a way to live out her faith and her just cautioning uh, the danger of if you're going to replace news organizations that sometimes make mistakes, which that's all of them, <laughs> with seemingly random websites with sensationalistic headlines and things in all capital letters and stuff about people being furious and stunned and speechless and blah, blah, blah. Like that's a real mistake. And that I think even from a, Faith perspective is going to lead us down some some unhealthy roads. Uh, any any thoughts on that? Uh, As you search through y- your notes,
1: yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I actually had that article, and here's th- let me just quote one more thing yeah. off that because Please it do. was so powerful to me, uh, and this will lead into everything I'm about to say. She said, um, I think I think this is the same article. Um, yeah, you got it. Yes, she said, what separates journalists from someone else posting information on the internet. As journalists, we are guided by certain standards and ethics, yep. taking issues of fairness and bias seriously, including avoiding conflicts of interest. With hmm. few exceptions, we are careful to attribute information we report to named sources. We conduct original research, and we fact-check what we write. Okay, so here's here's my thoughts right off. She is my hero. Like, I don't <laughs> know her. I you know, obviously just read that. Right. But she is what I dream of, which is somebody in a secular environment— mm-hmm who is a believer, yeah. who is out there doing what journalists are supposed to do. So this whole idea of being a truth pursuer. Now, I know that in your mind, that's kind of what you grew up wishing you could do and, mm-hmm. and, and of everybody around you would do. I'm super skeptical of all kinds of stuff, and especially in the news media. If we had a whole bunch of Sarahs around, I think that was her name. I mean, man, she she's brilliant. But here here's the part that I do want to accentuate uh, as a major point. Real journalism actually has internal integrity, meaning Mm -hmm. they'll rip each other apart if they do it wrong. So, for example, if a journalist puts something out and it gets shredded, they're actually blackballed by each other. So there is an expectation that you have fact-checked. There's an expectation. With that type of scrutiny, with that type of intense... Um, accountability right That is what news is supposed to be yeah. and what would make it wonderful. I think where she's going man I I'm throwing up my hands here because good journalistics integrity has all these demands yeah. and the Christian church, my family, she's saying meaning th- these are my people mm-hmm. you guys are ditching that for the wild West. That just agrees with you. Yeah. You're ditching it for website commentary, and you have no idea where it came from. They do not have any of the same accountability. They do not have any of the same rules. They don't have any of this stuff. There's no checks and balances on them. And you would trade my world for that world just because it agrees with you. That makes me sick.
0: As, as well it should. It's essentially fake news organizations and overly slanted organizations are able to exploit public ignorance right? it's the, Most of the public is not aware of everything that she talks about in the article and everything that you just said. Therefore, uh, they can exploit it. But I would liken it to, uh, where do you go for medical information, right? I For my own children and one of my son's medical conditions, you can find a thousand mommy blogs or daddy blogs suggesting some weird home remedy for particular condition. I'm just not interested in that. right? I'll find peer-reviewed articles with double-blind studies by actual doctors who have medical degrees talking about what works and what doesn't. I'm just not interested in what some random person uh, happens to think because the stakes are too high. And I wish that we could bring that level of scrutiny to the news, that we would say, okay, I want to go to the professionals. I want to go uh, to the ones that have these ethics and standards. Now, are they always going to get it right? No. No. Do doctors always get it right? No. No. Do you and I always get it right? No. Um, But you're way better off paying attention to the professionals, than some random person who's taking taking advantage of the fact that the internet is flat and people can post. Uh, not to mention just the way you look to the outside outside world is is huge. Uh,
1: let me let me add in one other thing. I don't yep. even remember which article we you know we went through a lot of different articles in preparation for this, but one of the articles pointed out about a blurring opinion and facts, yeah. and they called it facts. Uh, what was it? Advocacy oriented journalism. So we talked about yeah. advocacy, right? Mm-hmm. And in that, the blurring of opinion and facts is you want to believe certain things, you lean into certain things. And where that happens in a lot of this advocacy stuff is you're not lying. You're just sharing only the information that works for your team. Right. Right. And so once again, it's not fake news. Yeah. We need to be clear. Fake news is I'm creating a story that does not exist, right. or I'm creating facts that do not exist right. for the purpose of deception. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But there is a lot of advocacy-oriented journalism, mm-hmm. and, and let's just recognize it for what it is, Um one other thing that made me think of just real quick: uh, we were talking about websites being and it being flat, the internet mm. being flat. Title is the only thing that matters nowadays okay. to so many people. They look at the title, they don't even read the article, and they pass it on. Where mm. they are like, "Oh, this one's. Oh, I know Bob's going to need this one. Jan, <laughs> you know, Jan is going to need this one." And we haven't even read the article. Yeah. We don't know if it's complete lies or fabrication. Yeah. And the reason why we know only title matters is because the amount of passing back and forth that is going on, right. even completely bogus information. So the reason why I mention that is the purveyors of fake news, which I would like to talk a little bit more about. Yep. But the purveyors of fake news recognize they just have to grab you with a title and they're taking advantage of you. Absolutely. they completely know what they're doing and it doesn't even matter their article yep just the title
0: A sensationalistic headline that plays into our worst fears and biases that is gold it doesn't even have to be factually accurate and that's absolutely true in fact just as a as a general rule for trying to determine okay is what I'm about to read fake or real real news just as a this is such a simple thing real news will almost never use all caps in their headlines. I mean, it's it's a real earth shattering thing if they do. Uh, real news will almost never use highly emotive words in their headlines. Uh, real news will not uh, will not present information in a way again that is a, that is meant to uh, stir up emotion as opposed to reporting what is going on. It will not make highly partisan statements in its, Headlines, Whereas fake news, I mean, fake news lives off of the highly partisan. Where, I mean, moderate people who just want to know the truth are not reading fake news because they don't, that doesn't appeal to them, right? But fake news sites can benefit from the fact that there's lots of people uh, on either side that simply want to have their, uh, their opinions confirmed. And also, there's a level of simplicity to it, right? I mean, fake news stories are not sophisticated. These individuals, which, by the way, something we haven't even mentioned, is that fake news is a real industry. It exists because people make tons of money and they're not even trying to be truthful. You and I, in preparation for this episode, read several articles of people that basically said, yeah, I make fake news because I make a ton of money doing it. Okay, Uh, well,
1: let's let's transition into that for a moment, which, by the way, another way to tell um, real news versus fake news is they will usually always real news always attaches their name and where they're from. Yes. Usually on the on the article, whereas fake news does not, it will say it'll just have somebody and it doesn't have any credentials attached to it. Yep. Um, okay, so let's get into this fake news thing because I thought this was pretty powerful, and I would like you in a moment to share the the Macedonian yeah. uh, piece to it. But just so you guys are aware, uh, there was an article written about a guy named um, Paul Horner, mm-hmm. um, and he he is a purveyor of fake news on purpose. It's his job. Yep. He he literally makes up stuff, and it was his articles have been quoted in Twitter by the campaign manager um, of Trump, Trump's son, all these different things. Yeah. And they said so they were asking these questions. Now he he literally makes a bunch of money through Facebook and AdSense and all these different things. If he can get you to click on it, you, he automatically makes money. Yep. So he will do something. You're getting played. But here's what's interesting. They asked him, why does this work? And here was his response. People are dumber. (laughs) He said they pass stuff around and nobody fact checks anything anymore. He said, I make most of my money off right-wingers because they all click ads and give me cash. And it is so embarrassing. And in that article, what he actually highlighted out was, and I thought this was a little scary. Uh He said... um, I can write the craziest things about Trump and people will believe it. I wrote a lot of crazy anti-Muslim stuff, like about Trump wanting to put badges on Muslims, not allowing them in the airport, making them stand in their own line, and people went along with it. The whole thing he made up from his own mind. Now, that's damaging. He's literally throwing people into these things and people are buying it. Well, his stuff went all the way through and started being quoted by very high-level officials as right. news.
0: And you're right. That is so dangerous. And and it is it is a fact that fake news is a bigger problem on the right than on the left. That's just, just the numbers in terms of number of shares, number of sites, and everything else. But in And I'm not going to do a false equivalency thing here, but the fact of the matter is there's right-leaning fake news, not even leaning, full-on like right-collapsed fake news, and then left-wing uh, fake news as well. There's an interesting story in BuzzFeed that I take to look at that went through kind of all these different things that oh, in 2016, right-wing sites claimed all this stuff, not true. Left-wing stu- sites claimed this stuff, all not true. And uh, and it's out there. And, and the article ultimately said, the bottom line is that people who regularly consume information from these pages uh, are being fed false or misleading information. Now, here's what's interesting too. The nature of the falsehoods is important to note. They often take the form of claims and accusations against people, companies, police, movements such as black lives matter muslims or quote unquote liberals or quote unquote conservatives as a whole they drive division and polarization and in doing so they generate massive facebook engagement that brings more and more people to these pages their websites and into the echo chamber of hyper partisan media and beliefs dang like that is so scary to me and here's the thing these sites work in part because we allow them to. And Absolutely. I'm not talking legislatively. Nope. I'm saying that there is darkness in our hearts that says, you know, I, as a conservative person, I, instead of engaging with a more liberal person, I just want to demonize them. And, oh, so uh, this is what the left looks like, right? Or I as a liberal person, oh, those ignorant conservatives, this is what the right is. And we get our opinions of what people who are different than us are like from people who agree with us. And yes. that's that just doesn't work. That doesn't work That anywhere.
1: distortion of truth and an altering of worldview, I think is what makes you and I so nervous, yeah. right? Let, let me give you another example on something that did not start as fake news but became fake news. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, and that was uh, one of our articles we read about a man named Eric Tucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Tucker happened to live in an area where there was an anti-Trump protest uh-huh. rally. Yeah. And he saw a bunch of buses. Yeah. And he automatically, in his own mind, now he only had 40 Twitter followers. <laughs> this is not like a big dog. And he saw the buses and he assumed people had been bused in for the protest rally. So he tweeted that to his 40 followers. Yep. To make a long story short, it went viral. It became shared 16,000 times on Twitter and 350,000 times on Facebook.
0: And did the buses bring in actual Trump protesters?
1: No. No. <laughs> and here's the problem. It all went all the way up to uh, President-elect Trump at the time he yep. became president. He tweeted it as well. Look, they're bringing in protesters against me. Yeah. Eric Horner quickly, within a matter of days, when I got my facts wrong, nobody cared. The bus company came out and said those buses were for a conference. They're our buses. Quit dragging our name into this. Mm-hmm. That had nothing to do with it. The conference published a statement and yeah. said those are our buses. Nobody <laughs> cares. <laughs> nobody it took on its own life, and all of a sudden, across the nation, people were busing in anti-Trump protesters. And you go, whoa, 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 that did not start. It started out with one guy's opinion, thinking, I'm just going to share it among my friends. What I wanted to say is, when we start getting into these sharing things, because we're going to start talking about the Christian world. Yep. When we share these things, you go, well, I'm not trying to purvey fake news. Sometimes you're sharing your opinion. Mm-hmm and it starts going viral because people grab opinion and add to opinion and add to opinion, and all of a sudden it becomes fake news, and that's where we are adding into the problem.
0: Yeah, and and too many of us, uh, like a lot of the people that share, I mean, it was totally irresponsible of this guy to to post this, so I'm not defending him at all, but uh, too many folks didn't really care whether what he was saying was accurate or not. They just thought, oh, here's a narrative that I want to support, so I don't really care if the facts are true or not. So we're running low on time here, but did want to get into uh, just, okay, let's get practical here because uh, two pr- a couple of practical questions I want to look at. How can we guard ourselves against falling for what is fake or by uncritically accepting what is heavily biased? How can we be better news readers? Um, I think uh, rewinding this
1: podcast and listening to your whole segment on all the different news sites that are legit, um, because I don't think anyone heard that very well or wrote it down. I think that's a great, great start. Um, I'm going to give you a simple one, and you're going to probably fry me for it. Um, not necessarily you, but the listeners. I'm ready. Okay, um, they're ready. And, and I use this stuff. You guys, I love the site Snopes.com. <laughs> okay, so Snopes.com is a myth buster. Yeah. It is anything that you go, I wonder if that's real or not. Like you go, oh, I heard an urban legend. Mm-hmm. If you type in Snopes.com, they're a second organization. So mm-hmm. they don't even assume there's anything about leaning into Christianity. Uh, Who knows what their stance is? All I know is they make their living (laughs) off fact-checking and going back and blowing things apart, and they have a very easily searched website. So if you hear something that is really kind of out there, you may want to just throw it through that as a first level. Now, I think... Can you share with us a little bit like a deeper level than that?
0: <laughs> sure. Basically, uh, and I'll start with the deeper version of Snopes.com, which, you know, Snopes is fine. Uh, factcheck.org. Uh, it is run by the Annenberg Public Policy Center. It is uh, sort of one step deeper, tends to focus more on political things. It is a nonpartisan, non-profit organization that uh, seeks to uh, debunk what is false and affirm what is true when it comes to controversies, pr- particularly political ones. And now here's another challenge that I think that we face a lot of times is nonpartisan entities whose nonpartisan reporting does not match our partisan worldview. We accuse them of being partisan when the fact of the matter is we're the ones who are partisan. So something that actually seeks to tell the truth is going to appear partisan to us. That's an issue. But I would encourage folks to use uh, a website like factcheck.org or Snopes is fine too. I think uh, another couple of things, be aware of your biases i don't really care where you are on the political spectrum just be aware of where you are and have the integrity to say you know because i'm uh more left-leaning or because i'm more right-leaning i'm going to be inclined to uncritically accept what i'm told that affirms my belief and i just need to think critically about those things so so do that um doubt your doubts. Be ruthless about wanting to know the truth. Here's, here's another good one, is ask this question about any news story, especially a scandal that involves a public figure or political figure. Ask the question, what would I think if the facts of this story were the same, but the roles were reversed? To go back to my dumb sports analogy, okay, you think the receiver was out of bounds. If it was your team, would you think the receiver was out of bounds? Your answer better not change, right? What, whatever you think, I gave this example to you yesterday, Lance. Whatever you think of what occurred in Benghazi and Hillary Clinton's role in it, if the facts were identical, but the person involved was named Rex Tillerson, who's President Trump's Secretary of State, not Hillary Clinton, would your opinion about what happened change, regardless of what your opinion is? If the answer to that question is yes, that is a Moral and intellectual and I would say theological emergency that should be a huge red flag uh, in your own mind. So I think to ask that question is critical. Generally avoid sensationalism, which is hard because it's everywhere. Uh, Read carefully to make sure that what the article says matches the headlines. Often a inflammatory headline will be used to mask something that is very docile or in fact different than what is even being reported. And then finally, my last piece of advice, uh, don't pay a lot of money, but pay for your news. I pay a total of about $10 a month for my two newspaper subscriptions. You want good news, pay for it. My, news that is worth reading is going to cost you a couple bucks. Uh, do it. You'll be a more informed citizen for it. Now, last question, uh, and then we got we to gotta wrap this up. When it comes to engaging with the news media, we've talked a lot about quality, And there's a thousand more things I feel like we could say. But what about quantity? Is there a danger in either obsessively following the news or in disregarding it altogether? What do you think? Uh,
1: Once again, either extreme is going to be terribly damaging. If you completely shove your head in the sand and say nothing's going on, then you're not going to be able to intelligently have conversation. Mm -hmm. If you obsess about it, you're going to get played. Yep. Because there's no way for you, unless you just completely obsess about only the, the, the healthy sites, which it's hard to do, actually, because there's no sensationalism to keep you going and there's no <laughs> adrenaline. So um, if you obsess over it, you're going to find that that is your primary discipler. Yep. So a- as we kind of wrap up, I'm going to step into my pastor shoes yep. for a moment. Because usually on this podcast, we're just guys, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're Christian men. Right. Um, but I'm going to step into my pastor's shoes, and I'm going to tell all the believers. Now, if there's those that, that do not necessarily have a walk with the Lord, and they're just trying to get some information and stuff like that, by all means, you're allowed to live your life. Um, but to those who identify as Christians, as an authority in that area, I would like to speak to everybody, and that is, do the work. You've got to do the work. Because it does matter. Yeah. Everyone keeps thinking, well, it's just my opinion. I'm going to share my opinion. That We no longer live in that world. You don't get to share your opinion online without it having a platform. Everything that you do in your personal life is now you standing on a soapbox and yelling out in society. And therefore, you do not get the right to just be about you. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was any other time in history, you probably could have hid and just did your own thing. But as Christians, as a pastor, I'm going to tell you, you guys, we've got to do better at this, because the whole world is making huge cash off our unwillingness to be critical thinkers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's and very damaging. And the reputation of the gospel suffers for it,
1: right? Absolutely, The whole yeah. entire integrity of the church yeah. suffers from it.
0: I'll say this. I, as much as I'm a fan of the news media, I am careful to limit my exposure to it because all of the different types of bias I gave earlier, sensationalism, negativity, things like that, those exist because it's what sells and because media organizations are businesses and they know us, their customers. They know what we want to see. If we live in that world too much, it will negatively affect us. If we live in that world too much, if I live in that world too much, it's easy to become cynical and jaded and, and and panicky about what's going on in the world when when almost all of the time that's not what needs to happen. So so I think, you know, I'm not gonna prescribe to somebody spend this amount of time. I think spend enough time reading the news to be generally informed about what's going on, but understand that you're being formed when you engage with the media. Media is formative. When you open up the scriptures, you're being formed right? When you listen to a sermon, you're being formed. Engage with the media, yes. Don't let it be what is primarily formative to you. Let that be the spirit of God working through the word of God, working through God's people, working through that which is going to incline you towards wanting to engage in God's mission, not simply collapse into cynicism. Do you agree with that?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's the same whether you call it formative or I just say you're discipled by everything. Yep. Uh, Just figure out who your disciplers are. And if your disciplers are primarily um, biased news sources or any news sources, it should be your primary disciples should be believers. Amen. It should be the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Thank you so much, Lance. Thank you to all of you for listening. Please be sure to join us for episode nine of Engaging Culture, which will be recorded in two weeks. We look forward to talking to you then. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.